Well, good evening. Uh, for those of you who have not had the privilege of meeting, I'm Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to extend a warm welcome to you on this Christmas Eve. Uh, let's give the band a hand for leading us in worship. And alongside of that, give yourselves a hand. You guys are looking dapper tonight. So good job. Way to go. Um, before we jump into God's Word, I wanted to highlight for you one announcement. Uh, if you're not aware of this, we launched something known as the Christmas 2023 Fund this month as a way of honoring and remembering and cherishing our gospel partners. And so uh, we invite you, if you would like, to contribute to this fund throughout the rest of this month. Um, we're going to take all of the gifts that are received and we're going to send a special Christmas gift to our 11 gospel partners who uh, take the gospel around the world to those who don't know him. And so these gifts are really a way of letting them know that we love them, that we're praying for them, that we're partnering together with them in the gospel. And so just like every other gift, you can give the same way. You can give via text or online or via the app or check. Just make sure you put Christmas 2023 fund in that. And along with that, uh, because this is a Sunday, it's a weird Sunday though. It's feel weird to wake up this morning and not go to church. Felt really weird for me. But because this is a Sunday, we also invite you just to continue to, uh, to give to the Lord as an act of worship, as a reminder to us that God has been so generous to us. And in response, we want to give to Him as a way not of paying Him back, but simply as an act of gratitude. Uh, as a way of stewarding all of that we have uh, for his kingdom and his glory. And so we invite you to give uh, this afternoon as well in that way. And so let me go ahead and just pray for our time together as we jump into God's word tonight. Oh God, we come to you today. We give you great thanks that uh, Jesus, you did not consider it equality with God, something to be held on to, but you made yourself nothing that you came down, you humbled yourself so that you could die on the cross for us. And so as we remember, as we reflect upon your coming, uh, we worship you. We are grateful to you. We magnify your name and we look forward to your return where you will greet us with your great love face to face. And so in light of your second coming, would you give us hope? Would you give us longing? Would you give us gratitude for you? And we pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask for you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. Uh, we have been making our way through the Gospel of Matthew, but we're going to take a pivot the, this afternoon by looking at the Gospel of John. And so you can turn there with me. Um, and as you do that, as you came in this afternoon, you probably noticed kind of a darker room. And along with that, obviously, these candles that are lit. And that's to represent a particular theme that's carried throughout uh, really all of Scripture, but particularly in the Gospel of John, this theme of darkness and light. And so I want to highlight um, that this morning as we're going to, or excuse me, after, this afternoon as we're going to be reading through John chapter 1. Uh, before we read a passage of scripture, I thought I would begin just, just with a story to kind of maybe set the scene, maybe for something that's gone on in your life. Uh, for me, just like the room that you came into that was dark, 
I found myself about three years ago in quite a bit of darkness. Uh, we were driving back from Texas. We had just spent a Labor Day weekend with my brother and my sister-in-law and their children. They're one of our gospel partners, and they were preparing to take the gospel to a far-off place um, to a dark part of the world. And so we had really treasured that time together with them. And on the drive back from Texas, we also were not only carrying back stories from our time, but we also were bringing back a second car. So Abigail was a senior in high school, and because Josh and Kristen didn't need this car anymore, they said, we want to give it to you. And so we were super excited. We were driving back from Texas, sharing stories. I was sharing some 80s music with Abigail that she's like, this is weird. Um, some of it was good, though. And, uh, and so just enjoying our time together, Julia and the other kids were following us in the minivan. And one thing that Josh told us, he's like, Scott, on your way back, you've got to stop at Bucky's. Now, I'm a busy bee guy. I always stop at Busy Bee. I'd never stopped at Bucky's before. And so if you guys know where Bucky's is, this is your crossing uh, the state of, into the state of Florida on I-10 from Alabama. On the right-hand side, you exit off, and there's a big Bucky's. Well, this is Labor Day weekend, and so as we pull off the interstate, uh, we are met with bumper-to-bumper traffic, and I'm like, it's going to be 30 minutes before we finally even get in the parking lot of Bucky's. It's not worth it. And so instead, decide, let's just hop back on the interstate. We're only about three hours from home. Um, I'm ready to get home. It's been a long drive. And so uh, we, we, we get to what's the intersection there, and there's two lanes going this way, two lanes going the opposite way, and it's bumper-to-bumper traffic. There's no stoplight, and so you're just kind of having to wait for people to let you in. And so we cross one set of lanes, and then we're now going to cross the other set of lanes in order to get back on the interstate. And so the first lane is just bumper-to-bumper traffic. They stop, and so we pull out, and then there's a second through lane, I'm thinking, all right, you know, it's clear, it's time to go. And so I head out across the second lane and boom, a uh, car hit us going about 50 or 60 miles an hour trying to pass through the traffic and blindsided us and hit us and T. And we started spinning around, the car was totaled and things began uh, to become quite blurry. Uh, the cops came, took care of everything, but then we loaded up our stuff from the totaled uh, new car that we had just gotten, and the joyous trip immediately turned into a disaster as we got into the van with our stuff, and the, and the sun is setting. And as the sun is setting, I'm starting to find my, uh, my mind begin to move away from me. Uh, and for the next two months, I was in literally complete darkness. Um, I had a concussion that was really bad, and so we put trash bags in over the windows in our bedroom because I couldn't allow any light to come into the room. Uh, my head was just banging. It was, it was just awful. I couldn't see. Uh, and so there was physical darkness that I was in, but I was also in mental darkness because I couldn't think. I couldn't process. I couldn't remember anything. Julie would ask me questions, and I couldn't remember anything that she was asking me. And so I was confused, I was discouraged, I was fearful, but the worst part was not just the physical darkness or the mental darkness, but it was the sense of spiritual darkness that I was experiencing because I was really wondering, God, what are you up to? What's my future going to look like? Why would you do this? We had such great dreams and hopes for our future and then it all comes crashing down. Can you relate to that? 
Have you ever been in the darkness like that? Physical pain or relational difficulty or confusion about what's going on in your life or what God is up to. Maybe you have come into this dark room with darkness in your hearts right now. Because we live in a broken, fallen world, we are all familiar with darkness, aren't we? Uh, Frederick Buchner, he puts it this way. He says, if darkness is meant to suggest a world where nobody can see very well, either themselves or each other or where they are heading or even where they are standing at the moment, if darkness is meant to convey a sense of uncertainty, of being lost, of being afraid, if darkness suggests conflict between races, between nations, between individuals, then we live in a world that knows much about darkness. I think each one of us can relate to darkness, can't we? We turn on the television and darkness. You go to the doctor for a checkup and darkness arrives as well. You interact with your coworkers, your classmates, and it seems like no light enters into your conversation. Or maybe you're coming into the holidays and darkness and loneliness threaten the only light that you have. We all have seen and experienced darkness, haven't we? But here's the good news. It's into this place of darkness that Jesus, our light, has come. In fact, it's why he came. Now, we're very familiar with Luke's telling of Jesus' birth story, where there were shepherds out in the field, keeping their flocks by, what, night in the dark? And into that darkness, a myriad of angels appears to them and announces the birth of a shepherd and the glory of the Lord shone around them. We're very familiar with that gospel narrative. But there's a, another important but different sort of way of telling the birth narrative in the gospel of John. And in fact, John is going to take us all the way back to the very beginning because what he wants us to understand is that God's plan has always been to bring the light of the Son, Jesus Christ, into the darkness of humanity. So I want to ask for you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. We're going to read to, uh, together uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to hop down to verses 9 through 12. So listen to God's Word to us tonight. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came, for his, it came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Yes, and take your seats. Tonight's message is entitled, Light in the Darkness. And by way of background, uh, John, just like all of the other gospel writers, is writing to a particular audience, and his audience are the Greeks. Uh, they had this long-held view behind everything that there was this godlike force or reasoning known as the Logos, what's translated here as the Word. And this Logos brought light into darkness. And John picks up on this theme and he says, Greeks, what you 
find may be murky or you don't quite understand it completely, I want to make it very plain to you that this logos is not an impersonal force, it's not a phenomenon, no, it is the second person in the Trinity. His name is Jesus, God the Son. And Jesus, as this logos, as this word, he has come into the darkness to bring his light. And in particular, he wants to bring three things to us that we're going to talk about tonight. So first, in verses 1 through 4, Jesus, as the light, brings life. John starts off the gospel by taking us back to creation. And he says that in the beginning, when the world was formless and void, when there was nothing there, Jesus was there. He was in the beginning with his Father. He was there in the darkness. And so when God said, let there be light, as verse 3 says, Jesus was there. It says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. See, the Son, together with the Father, by the Spirit, brought light into this dark world at creation. And when that light came, as Genesis 1 reveals, light and life came together. The seas swarmed with fish. The trees and the seeds began to bud and blossom and grow. And as we know, from that point forward, light and life are inextricably woven together. We have a lot of kids here tonight, and many of you know a fancy word, photosynthesis. Photo meaning light, and synthesis meaning to put together. And so God, from the very beginning of creation, has woven into that very fabric of, this, of our creation, this reality, that all of life is built upon the light of the sun. Light is what puts all of life together. As we know, if you take away the sun, then our world becomes cold, dark, and dead. And John, picking up on that theme of light and life, he says that this is our spiritual reality as well. In essence, he communicates without Jesus as the light. We have no life. We have no purpose. We have no meaning. Everyone is born into darkness. We can't see life the way that God intends. And that's why John tells us in verse 4, he says this. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In other words, John tells us, if you want your life, if you want your world, if you want your reality put back together, it will only come about when the glorious light of the Son of God shines into your dark heart. See, when Jesus, just like the Son, becomes the center of your universe, then he begins to make everything clear. In essence, it's, what, it's divine photosynthesis. That when Jesus becomes our center, then life begins to be put back together again. Many of you were here second service last Sunday when our sister Dolly Cowling was baptized and she shared her story. She'd been walking in darkness for over 75 years. But then Jesus shined into her heart. And I just want to read you a portion of her story. She said this. She said, the scales have been lifted from my eyes. I know God personally and I never have to look back at the dark world I lived in. 
Now my eyes are open to light. He is the light of the world. I am so grateful for my new life in him. You hear those themes of light and life. And I just want to pause here tonight. If you are here tonight and you're coming in with darkness, without life, without hope, without purpose, Jesus says to you, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So trust in me. Give your life to me. Let my light shine into your darkness. That's Jesus' invitation to you. But this invitation is not just for unbelievers. I think it's for believers as well. As I mentioned earlier, I was in a dark place, not just physically dark, but, but spiritually as well. A few years ago, I was discouraged. I was confused. I felt alone. But in the midst of that dark room, I asked God, I said, God, would you shine your light upon me? And since I couldn't read, I began to listen to sermons preached by a well-known man named D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And in his famous Welsh accent, I heard God's truth about Jesus spoken to me and over me. And it was almost as if God's life and light was shining into my darkness to give me sight. Spiritual sight. To see Jesus all over again. Even though I didn't have all of the answers, I really sensed personally and powerfully the the presence of Jesus, that he was with me, that he was for me, that that he was not going to let me go. And so if you find yourself in that place of darkness tonight, hear Jesus' invitation. Let him be your light. Let him bring life and meaning and purpose to you. Trust in him. Let him be the center of your world. So first, Jesus as the light, he brings life. Second, he also brings power. Uh, John continues in verse 5, he says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That verse can also be translated, the darkness cannot put out the light. Or it can also be said, the darkness can never extinguish the light. As we know, there's this strong battle between darkness and light. And many times, if you're honest, and I'm honest, the darkness can feel overwhelming. It can feel impenetrable. It can feel powerful. It can feel downright scary. But John reminds us that darkness is totally powerless against the light. Could you know that if you're in a dark room, what do you have to do? You simply turn on the light. And when you do, the darkness flees. And John says that's the same of spiritual darkness as well. John says, Jesus, the light of the world, he brings spiritual power to overcome whatever darkness you and I face. Yeah, there might be some cloudy circumstances that might keep us or try to keep us from seeing the sun shining. But Jesus says, like the sun, I am always shining. Even though there might be clouds and you can't see it, I promise you, I am shining. And my light is far greater than even the darkest night that you might face. In fact, I entered your dark world. I took on flesh and I dwelt among you. I lived as the light of life for 33 years. And then I stared the darkness of Satan, sin, and death in the face. And I not only absorbed it, but I overcame it by my death and my resurrection so that you could have power in your darkness as well. 
I love how Tim Keller put it. He says, the only darkness that could have destroyed us forever fell into our Savior's heart. Jesus absorbed the darkness so that whatever difficulty you face, whatever darkness you encounter, you don't have to despair. Instead, Jesus says, look to my love, look to my beauty, look to my glory, look to my light. Trust that my light will shine powerfully into whatever darkness you face to overcome it. At the same time as we know, all the darkness has not yet fleed. We're in this weird tension in what we call the Advent. Advent means coming. And so on the one hand, Jesus has come. Jesus has come as the light to bring light and life into this dark world. He has come to die for our sin. He has come and risen from the dead. He has come and ascended to his Father to prepare a people for those who await his arrival again. At the same time, Jesus has not yet returned. And as a result, darkness still exists. And we can be tempted to think that this is all that there is, but Jesus says, no, this is not the end of the story. Already my light is shining, and one day my light will completely extinguish the darkness. So keep trusting and waiting and hoping and longing for me. Ask that Jesus would shine his light into whatever darkness you face to overcome it, to overwhelm it, that he would expel your darkness, whatever it might be. And at the same time, as we know, all the darkness is not yet gone. And that brings us to one last point. Jesus, as our light, he not only brings life, he not only brings power, but he also brings hope. In verse 9, John says that Jesus came as the light, as the true light, to enlighten everyone. Lots of people are looking for lots of different hopes and lights to enlighten them, but John says there is one true light to bring hope to a lost and dying world. At the same time, though, in verses 10 and 11, he highlights that there's two responses. The first response is instead of receiving the light, to reject the light. Maybe it's fear of exposure. Uh, what if the worst parts of me were revealed by the light of Jesus? You know, for others, maybe it's just comfort of being in the darkness and not wanting to change their lives to follow Jesus. Maybe you're coming in tonight in that place where you're not yet willing to truly receive the light. That's you tonight. Jesus offers you an invitation that's found in verse 12. He says, well, there are some who reject the light. There are others who receive the light. They say despite the temptations of keeping their sin hidden in the dark or the temptations of following the ways of the world and staying in the darkness, they decide, no, I'm going to bring it all to the light. I'm going to bring all of my mess to Jesus. Now, maybe it's slow at first, but they trust that it's better to be exposed in the light to be deceived in the darkness. It's like me when I had my concussion. At first, that light was so painful. It was powerful. It was overwhelming. But as I gradually was exposed to the light, I realized that it was worth it. I could finally see and experience life again as I moved towards the light. 
And in the same way, if you've been in the darkness, whether it's for a short time or a long time, God wants to turn on his dimmer of grace and love towards you as well. He wants to do it gently, but surely and steadfastly to expose the dark places of your heart, but along with that, to bring in the warmth and the hope of his light and love. Verse 14, it says this. It says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. So I want you to hear this. He leads out with his grace. Yes, he does bring in his truth to confront us in our sin, but he also meets us with his love, with his forgiveness, and his grace as well to address whatever darkness is in our hearts. And so I don't know where you might be tonight, but Jesus offers an invitation to you to receive his light into those dark places of your life. And along with that, Jesus offers to all of us a promise in verse 12. Verse 12 says this, To all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is an open invitation. There's no one who has to be kept from his light. It's open to all who would receive him to experience the hope of the light of Jesus. As his sons and daughters, Jesus meets our sin with his grace our fears with his love, our loneliness with his acceptance, our poverty with his riches, our weakness with his strength, our darkness with his marvelous light. And this is not just a promise to be experienced now. It's also a promise of what's yet to come. You see, right now we can experience adoption as sons and daughters, but one day we'll experience the fullness of our adoption as we read earlier, that we eagerly are awaiting all that God has in store for us. See, one day Jesus will return. One day all of our dreams will come true. One day all of our darkness will be gone. One day all of our worst sins, all of our biggest struggles will be done away with. One day we will see and enjoy Jesus face to face. Without fear, without doubt, without dread, only with joy and peace and delight. One day, as J.R. Tolkien put it, everything sad will come untrue. That gives us great hope in this Advent season. And as we kind of live in this in-between of Jesus' first coming and his second coming, we are invited to not only receive his light, but we are also invited by his spirit to reflect and to shine his light to a lost and dying world. To say Jesus really is the true light who lightens your way. And they can experience the hope of the gospel not only now, but they can be welcomed in as sons and daughters and to put their hope in one day, experiencing the fullness of that adoption when Jesus will return as our great light to expel all darkness once and for all. So let me enjoy him, fellowship with him, see him face to face, and where there will be no more darkness, and so we don't, won't ever have to kind of cover our eyes, but we can see him, and we can know him even as we are fully known, and we can love him completely as he completely loves us in the fullness of his light forevermore. Four Oaks, may Jesus shine his light into our darkness, both now and forever. Let's pray.